currently, to fulfill the SDGs, you need a lot of money. And currently, the public sector has a $2.5 trillion gap to fulfill them each year. So they need help from the private sector. And that's why investors have the possibility to close that gap. Welcome back to another episode of EcoU. My name is Shanali Rupin. And I am Toby Yuwali. Toby and I are both master students studying sustainability management. And we want to bring you closer to all that we've been learning and exploring as students and professionals in the field of sustainability through conversations with our friends and peers, researchers, and industry experts. The EcoU podcast series will explore sustainability through a broad range of topics and get us closer to a better understanding of what sustainability means, what it could look like, and help you implement sustainable actions into your daily choices. So wherever you are, whatever you're up to, join us on the front lines of sustainable action. Are you ready? Yeah, let's get into it. Hey, Toby. Hey, Shanelli. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Toby. Hey, Shanelli. Hello. Hey, Patrick. I think that's a fun way to introduce and reel in our second guest on the third episode of EcoU. And I'm so excited because it's another one of our good friends and our peers in the sustainability management program at the University of Waterloo. So Patrick Simon, like I said, good friend and peer also in the same program as Toby and myself at the University of Waterloo. His graduate work focuses on looking into the quality of disclosure statements and strategies that impact investors have created to ensure that investments made are actually creating positive impacts for the causes that they are focusing on. Patrick is also interested in international relations with a focus on how states are interacting and strategizing with each other to combat the effects and the uncertainty that comes with climate change. This is a whole new domain for myself. <laughs> and I think Toby and I haven't actually ever formally introduced our backgrounds when it comes to the podcast. Toby is definitely more well-versed in this topic. But when it comes to my end, my background is in environmental sciences. I'm currently doing organic agriculture and sustainable agriculture. So I'm so open to learning from you today, Patrick, and from Toby as well, because this is this is your world. So I'm really excited to have you. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with the both of you. And I'm sure that I'll also learn a lot from both of you again, not just with the responses, but also with your questions. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your openness altogether. So I think a good place to start the conversation, because your background in investing and sustainability, we can, we can deep dive into it at some point, but I, taking a step back, I think when we talk about sustainability and those three pillars that we often talk about, which is you know social equity, economic stability, and environmental protection, my preconceived notion of that economic pillar has actually been around like CSR, which is corporate social responsibility. I don't really know too much beyond that. So I think our first question is, what's the con connection between investing and sustainability? And why is investing considered under the umbrella of sustainability? Sure. So investing 
And the financial market and industry as a whole has a lot of influence on in so many different sectors. It's they're the ones that fund positive effects and um, sectors such as renewable energy, as well as negative sectors such as oil and gas, gambling, addicting, addictive uh, behaviors. So. Yeah, that's how investing is able to fall under sustainability and how it's able to help with sustainability goals by uh, shifting from from uh, negative aspects of different sectors to positive sectors and aspects of sectors. Great. Thank you so much, Patrick, for, for that. Um, and I think one area that Shunali started from was introducing the old idea of ESG um, that I love so much. Um, and I think that reading about this, the way that it started was when asset managers started to exclude investors or companies that were having bad governance, history around bad governance and all. It was like an exclusion strategy in the first place. And then it now grew, grew into um, how to find a balance between the SDGs and also the finances, just what you've mentioned, uh, Patrick, today. So I think that's that's a little bit of a background uh, to, to the conversation. And um, that will probably lead us into our next question, which is around how do we define it? I just mentioned ESG investing, um, integrating economic, social, governance consideration into investment and all of that. But we have several other technologies. We have responsible investment. We have socially responsible investment. We have sustainable investment. We have impact investment. There seems to be a whole lot of them. Uh, could you help us navigate some of these concepts? And which one would you consider ideal for a broad, um, responsible investment perspective? I'm actually using one of the technologies already. I don't know if I'm wrong. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. There are so many different forms of sustainable investing and different names, but most of them fall under the same umbrella. Like when you think of responsible investing and social investing, sustainable investing, they all fall under uh, socially responsible investing. So basically these forms of investing focus on Companies that don't do bad. They don't do good, but they don't do bad. So they, as I mentioned in the introduction, well, sorry, it's not, they don't have to do good to be considered it, but they can't do bad. So like oil industry can invest in it to be considered socially responsible. Uh, again, addictive behavior like Alcohol, tobacco, can't really invest in that. So that's one form. Um, there are There's impact investing, which is a combination of philanthropy work as well as investing. So they want investors that are focused on impact investing want seeable returns. So financial returns as well as social environmental returns. So it's not just not doing bad but doing good with the money that you invest in. So 
most of the time, when you think of socially responsible investing, it's mainly focused on organizations or companies, sectors that just don't do bad. Interesting. That's such an interesting distinction. (laughs) So then I guess sort of a follow-up question is, which term, is there a term that we should be using more commonly in language? Because I feel like, like the word sustainability or eco-friendly or these types of words that seem like they're synonyms, they get tossed around a lot. And I feel like you might experience that in your own world, whether you're doing a reading or whether you're attending a lecture or a webinar. Do these words get mixed up? And if so, is there a correct term that we should be using in conversation? They definitely get mixed up, and especially because these forms of investing are very new. They haven't been in the market for long, so they get intertwined because no one knows exactly. And the one issue with them is the fact that they could have so many different meanings to different people. So you can pick a term if I think... Sorry. Uh, so they can be more consistent. Um, that's, that's definitely an issue because right now there's a lot of inconsistency. So you do need to pick names. I, I don't know, personally. Uh, maybe Toby can fill me in on that. I think that um, right now, no one has like that prerogative of um, that, that absolute knowledge or absolute um, power to be able to say, oh, this is the right technology to use because the approach to some of these investment vehicles are different. Uh, you rightly mentioned about impact investing, which is about a lot about corporate philanthropy. It is about investing in a particular project that seems to have like a positive impact on the environment or in the community. And investors actually do that because they have a particular interest in, in the kind of project. Some of them have interest in farming. Some of them have interest in real estate, for instance. And maybe there's a company saying, oh, we're looking to build this particular sustainable community or we're looking to provide water for um, local farmers in a particular place. And they're just interested in investing in that. That's that's a a lot around impact. Um, I think more an umbrella word could be like responsible investing, which is just trying to say that um, whatever you're putting your money into, it has to be ethical. I think either responsible investing or ethical investing could be like a more umbrella word, uh, you know, and then impact investing, depending on what kind of, what aspect of responsible investing companies are focusing on at the time or what part, what, what, what part of it is, um, amenable to their business model, um, you know, they could choose to use either of the technologies. But I think that a much more umbrella world could be responsible investing or just ethical investing. I was, I was going to say, like, there definitely needs to be more consistency in this realm of investing. And that's one of the big issues with the current state of it. There's a lot of uncertainty. No, that makes sense. And actually... You mentioned this earlier, how these words are really new. There is so much uncertainty. So why is responsible investing or even impact investing as a term within that umbrella on the rise? Like what is driving this movement? So one big drive towards it is the fact that currently to fulfill the SDGs, you need a lot of money. And currently the public sector 
has a $2.5 trillion gap to fulfill them each year. So they need help from the private sector. And that's why investors have the possibility to close that gap. Each year. Yes. Yeah, it's a lot of money. I second with that number. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's and a lot of money. Is there, yeah. is, there a time, is there a timeline of this where we've come up with that number has like risen recently or have we always known about that gap or do you know the answer to that? I, I don't. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that these are very ambitious goals, very ambitious. And mm-hmm. it takes a lot of money, time and effort. So it's tough enough just to create them. But then it also needs time from its creation to its implementation and to see the true true cost of how much they cost annually. Yeah, I think what is current, what we're seeing currently is as we make progress from year to year, um, we're, we're doing, what is the financing gap that we currently have? Uh, what is our situation currently? If we're making progress in terms of uh, responsible investment uh, or sustainable financing, as it were, uh, where are we currently with the whole challenges of climate change, of inequalities, and, and all of that, because the investments in, in, in responsible uh, instruments can, can be on the increase, it can be on the rise, but you can still see that we're lagging behind, we're, we're probably falling backwards with, you know, climate consequences, like we're currently seeing. So you imagine that the kind of money that we need to be able to solve maybe climate um, issues last year is different from what we what we need right now because, of course, things have gotten worse. So that that fallback, you know, um, is probably limiting the progress that we're making that we're seeing with responsible investment. Fair enough to, to everyone. I think that there has been a lot of progress in responsible investing. Uh, right now, it's a topic that we're discussing. I'm sure that some very many years back, that nobody even knew what was responsible investing or people were not talking about it as much. Right now, there's a projection by 2025. Uh, uh, RIs will be up to uh, maybe one third of the total uh, amount under management, assets under management globally for investments. That's, that's huge. That's about an estimation of maybe $53 trillion in investments in, in, in responsible financial instruments, in responsible assets. And that's, that's a lot of progress that we've made. Um, whether or not this progress is translating into the result that we hope to see, uh, it's another call. It's another conversation. It is. It is. So it's fantastic to see this growth. It really is. But with this growth, we have to see evidence of it being having positive returns. And that's a big issue that's going on in impact investing. And that's what I'm currently looking at for my research. And I'm so excited for you to talk about that. And before we sort of jump into the limitations of impact investments or socially responsible investments, I think something that I want to know and probably listeners who are unfamiliar with this sector of the financial world and how it meets sustainability is what are the traditional forms of investments and where do they fail? What are their limitations? So like traditional ways of investing are stocks, which is buying a piece of a company and being a part owner of it. There's bonds, which are just loans, very secure loans that you 
give and then you get interest on it. There's commodities. So let's say you buy gold, silver, wood, lumber, all those. I would say those three are the three largest ones. Toby, do you have any other smaller ones that you think the listeners would find interesting? Yeah, I think that another one could be um, exchange-traded funds. Um, there are real estate um, investment packages everywhere now. In fact, some of them are actually listed on securities exchanges that have been traded and people can be able to buy into. Uh, but of course, the most popular you've mentioned are equities and uh, bonds, actually. Uh, but of course, there are also derivatives. Yeah, that's one, that's one, that's one new uh, financial instrument that I got to know uh, back when I was in Nigeria in Lagos. Um, derivative is also getting popular. A few exchanges have actually launched their derivative um, on market, um, but it's a high-risk financial instrument. Um, requires a lot of, um, uh, what do I call it now, expertise, and that's why you don't find it a lot in financial market. But I think that it, maybe in another two to three years, we might, be, we might see a lot more with derivatives like we're currently seeing with yeah, equities and, and maybe bonds. Yeah. And so the biggest failure, I wouldn't necessarily call it failure, but is that they have a lot of focus on negative sectors. So um, arms trade, so selling weapons, it's a big one. Oil, again, is massive, which is really damaging, <laughs> very unsustainable. Um, so, yeah, so that's, I would say, the biggest issue with current forms of investing. And that's why ethical investing is works and it fills that gap. You're able to transfer money from damaging forms of investing in sectors into more positive force socially and environmentally. Maybe you could also kind of touch on the forms of ethical investment so that, you know, uh, you already talk about um, what kind of advantage or in what way they are superior to the traditional forms of investment. Uh, maybe you could also point out some of these uh, responsible investment vehicles or financial instruments. Yeah, so one of them, again, is impact investing. So it's 50-50 focusing on financial returns as well as social and environmental returns. Uh, one big fall back on that or issue that some people have is that the financial returns are lower. So you average between 4 and 6% returns, annual returns, whereas with regular investing, you can average between 7 and 10%, if not higher. So that is a big um, fall through, and that's one reason to why some people are not as interested. But there are the, you do get the social and environmental returns that come with those investments if done properly. Um, there's also, again, you can focus your ethical investings in any regular stocks. Like you could go with Apple. Google, you could do basically anything that has a positive or not negative effect on people's lives, which again, an issue with that is the fact that it depends on who you ask, what's ethical and what's not. 
So big tech companies, you can have an argument for both ways. Are they ethical? Maybe. That's a hard debate because how do you judge the, how do you, it's sometimes hard to judge the ethics of where you want to put your money in because values from person to person change and how we define ethics changes as well. There's actually, if we can take one step back to our question about traditional investments, you mentioned that a failure or a drawback was the oil and gas um, and some of these sort of negative sectors being unsustainable, right? So as those of us in the sustainability management program, we understand why that is unsustainable. Could you explain, though, to someone who may not be familiar in this sphere what that means in terms of sustainability? Like, could you explain what it means to be unsustainable in that sense as a traditional investment? Sure. So when you think of sustainability, the root word of sustainable means that you're able to continue to use a resource without depleting it. So it's renewable. Oil, once you use up all of it, there's no more. So there's that. Again, I would say that's the biggest factor regarding regular investing in how it's not sustainable. Because once you use up something, you're out. You can't do, like, let's say... A random oil company has a stock right now that's $1,000 per stock. No one knows how much oil is left, so they think it's infinite. It goes up, 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 up. And then one day you find out, oh yeah, there's no more oil. That stock will fall to zero because there's nothing to invest in. So that's one issue. So something that comes to mind, though, is... You actually brought up a really cool point about highlighting the definition of sustainability in the word sustain, right? Because when I think about some of these forms of responsible investments that you mentioned and impact investments, that's exactly what we're aiming to do. We're aiming to invest our money in ways that sustain the environment, sustain the economy, sustain social enterprises. And now you're mentioning why, you know, oil and gas, for example, is unsustainable. Is there... Can we say that socially responsible investments have the potential to be more resilient? Yeah, for sure. So, like, when you think of, again, this is going to the energy sector. When you think of, like, renewable energy, so, like, turbines, solar panels, those things, you you can't get rid of it. Like, there's always going to be suns, the sun's energy for solar panels. There's always going to be wind. So that's renewable and which allows for like these owners and these companies to ensure like, okay, great. We're not going to lose out. There isn't, we're not going to run out. And another factor is that our technology for like renewable energy is still very new. So as we continue to innovate these technologies, the way that we're able to store these energies, the way that we're able to capture these, is going to improve exponentially as well, which will benefit our eyes, responsible investors, ethical investors, which can be a big benefit. Right. Oh, I see. no, I, that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, no, Toby, go ahead. Something to add? 
Yeah, I think that one of the reasons why um, RIs are very resilient is because they are actually built around technology. What are we trying to do with RIs? We're trying to say that we're tired with the old ways of investing. We want to do something innovative to save our planet. So because there is innovation at the center you know, of that drive, it helps to quickly translate, even if um, there is a whole part that is phasing out, because technology is always evolving, it helps to continue to translate, to translate and to evolve into, um, you know, something greater and greater by the days. So I think it's one of the reasons. If you come to the corporate level, you also discover that last year, there was so much talk around responsible investment, responsible companies, responsible business practices. And if you follow what happened in, in the market, in the financial market, you see that companies that are a lot more sustainable or uh, integrated sustainable business practices uh, were a lot more resilient during the um, COVID-19 pandemic come economic crisis that we experienced last year. Uh, we saw that with all of the ratings that we have, both in the US and Europe. Um, and right now, I, I also saw today that some of the sustainable funds outperformed their peers, their traditional peers. So that's probably leading into maybe our next question or next conversation around a big debate of um, do I have to uh, trade off profit to make impact. Is there a way? Is there a way we can actually balance? We can strike balance between impact and, and profit because everyone who's investing is looking to make you know um, some profit, some ROI on their investment. And whether we like it or not, no matter how much we talk about impact, how much we talk about the SDGs and you know having to protect the environment and our world and all of that, we'll still come back to the fact that people make investment because they expect some form of returns. Maybe impact could also be returns in some ways if we are able to monetize that. But really, we all know that everything is about the dollar, so it has to be yeah. At the end of the day, it's how much money you get back from your investments that drives what what people buy. Definitely. I mean, I think a whole conversation around being sustainable or like being a sustainable activist is that you have to make some sort of sacrifice, right? And some of the easier examples is like, oh, become vegetarian, but then you give up meat and you make that sacrifice and it, or give up plastic so that you can buy this reusable thing. This is sort of me just like bringing it down to my level yeah, <laughs> and no worries. digesting it in that way where when I think about impact investing or responsible investing, I think of the fact that being sustainable doesn't have to be a sacrifice and we can find a balance between profit and impact because sort of a personal level on my side is, and something that I've talked to Toby about is I'm scared to invest because that's my money and that's the money that I hold and I'm afraid to lose it or I'm afraid to risk it. I'm afraid to play the game because you are really playing a game with your money. And I want to invest in these in in companies that are doing great things, but I'm afraid, you know, like, yeah, my money is going to these great causes, but am I going to get anything back? <laughs> so that I think that's a cool conversation on that debate of can we strike the balance? Yeah, so that's definitely a common concern that many people have, especially new investors that want to invest in good, but they're scared that either it's a more risky investment 
or it's a more risky investment and they make less money from it. Like their rate of return is much lower. So as Toby mentioned earlier, sustainable and responsible investing, the returns are starting to match regular forms of investing, which is good, which is really good. There are still concerns on whether how good are response, how good is responsible investing? Because again, you don't, it's hard to distinguish what's ethical and what's not in a lot of these conversations. So you can still find portfolios and stocks that are good, that have renewable energy companies that don't have oil, gas. Sorry that I go back on these examples, but they're definitely the biggest aspect, I would say. So there is, you do get good returns. The issue is that they've been, they're new. So you don't know how long these profits will continue or if they do. Maybe it's it's been like that for five years and who knows what will happen in the next 10 years. But you can say the same thing for regular investing. If you want to go safe, you have more options with regular forms of investing because it's been going on a lot longer. So you do have that security blanket. But you can also do a combination of both. Go with social, environmental, responsible investing as a part of your portfolio. But you still have that safety blanket that you can use with regular forms of investing. And there is that argument saying, hey, how are you going to invest in something responsible? But then you're also investing in something irresponsible, completely irresponsible. But if your goal is to slowly transition to a fully responsible portfolio, it's better to start slower if you're more comfortable with it. No, that makes so much sense. And I think you've both mentioned this too, that you're making a long-term investment in a sense. And it is new, but there's so much ingenuity and there's so much room for improvement and technological development in ways that we're not seeing in our favorite example, oil and gas. (laughs) Um, And I think just to provide more context within the realm of responsible investing, who are responsible investors? Like who, who are they? Sure. Like they can be anyone really. It's just people who are interested in making a positive impact on the world that perhaps they don't have a lot of time. They have some money and they, they see a company that they're interested in. They see an organization that they, they're interested in. They can't use their time. So then they say, Hey, here's the investment. I think that you're going to grow. I think you're going to do great things and I'm excited. Um, there are also a lot of, Big-time hedge funds are slowly transitioning out of, again, oil and gas. Sorry for always using that. And irresponsible forms of investing. But and going towards responsible and impactful investing strategies. So follow-up to that question, and I think you already answered it, is why has responsible investing become attractive to them? It's attractive because being sustainable has become attractive as well. The rate of returns are rising, which is good, and they're expecting it to continue to rise to perhaps one day outpace regular forms of investing that that 
include negative aspects. And then there's also social pressure for them to transition to more social responsible forms of investing just because of how large the financial institution's impact has on the entire world. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's actually um, giving like a brilliant answer in terms of the, the fact that being sustainable is like euphoric now. It's so cool to talk about. And you say, oh, where do you have your money? I have my money here. And uh, sustainable investment and all of that. It's, it's just so cool to talk about right now. And then I think that people are also beginning to see the impact of irresponsible investment. That's the way I want to call it. On our collective prosperity. Uh, you see that you want to leave a safe world for your generation, for your children unborn, for the generation to come, your own generation, so you care a lot more about about the environment. Uh, we see that climate change is catching up on all of us without leaving the big boys or you know the billionaires out of it. It's also like uh, like a threat to the traditional forms of investment that they've done because every every business is now measuring climate risk and opportunity. So they know that climate change constitutes like a big risk to their business. So if you have investments in those kind of business, you also want to try and protect it and say, oh, how can we get sustainable just to preserve your long-term investments in, 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 in uh, funds like that? So I think that's another thing. Maybe that's going to lead us into this one question that is particularly close to my heart. And that is about retail participation in responsible investment. We know that having worked with a securities exchange, I, I kind of understand how we so desire that all of our financial instrument really gets the people beyond institutional investors, beyond uh, the big pension funds and all of that. We really wanted all of these instruments to get the people. Because if you look at the law of numbers, if you invest $10, $10 and I invest $10 and then we do that across the population, if you do the multiplier effect, you know that you might just be having a lot more than a single pension fund is going to put into, you know, a portfolio. So that's very important. And that's one thing that we've been clamoring for, that how can you and I truly participate in responsible investment? So maybe, Patrick, you want to tell us a little bit about um, how can everyone participate in, in, in responsible investment? Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot easier than people think. It's basically you just do the exact same thing as you do with regular investing. There's ETS, which are exchange traded funds, which is a multiple of different groups, as Toby mentioned earlier. So there's those options, which are more safe because it is a large group of individual companies. So there's that's one way there's bonds green bonds you can buy or purchase which is very safe very safe low returns but very safe um but you can get these products you can buy these forms of investing very easily just go through your bank if you're able to invest with your bank or there's different options in Canada. Um, I don't want to say them just because I don't want to give free advertising. <laughs> but you can definitely find ways. If you're interested in investing, it's, it's the same. Sorry. And if you're interested in so uh, responsible investing, it's the same way as regular investing. 
it just has a different group of companies. It's just a, not even smaller. Well, it is smaller because regular forms use all of responsible investing, but it's still a large, there's still large options involved. So you're That's not going to really be cool. missing out. Yeah. So it, it's definitely been getting a lot easier for retail investors, and which is really great. Especially recently during COVID, there's been, of all retail investors, 15% of them came after 2020. Wow. So there's a wow. huge group of new investors in the market. And I'm going to assume a good chunk of them are interested in new forms of investing, responsible investing, especially with the younger generation. No, that's amazing. And so you mentioned ETFs, and I'm assuming that there are green ETFs and then traditional ETFs. So that's the distinction, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. And then you mentioned green bonds as one as one of them as well. And something that I want to pull back and just re-mention is that diverse portfolio as a way to sort of transition into responsible investing and impact investing. Because it is scary. It's kind of intimidating. But you mentioned that it's easier than we think it is. And if you want to transition, it's having it's to diversify your portfolio and then eventually make that transition when you feel financially secure or comfortable enough to start making that full transition over. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to go jump right in into responsible investing if you're not comfortable. Even having 10% is better than zero. That's awesome. So one sort of, one question is, because I, I think it sounds so euphoric, it sounds so, with so much potential. Are there risks associated with investing in engaging with impact investing? Are there risks associated with retail participation? Um, it's not just retail participation. It's the entire field of responsible investing. Again, as I mentioned, it's still quite new. And with it rising rapidly, there will be some organizations that might not do as well. And they're just getting ahead just because it's trend, really. And because of that trend as well, there's greenwashing going on. So organizations that are saying that they're interested in being responsible in the environment and being sustainable, but that's just a front or being ethical as well. It's just a front there. They could be doing some pretty shady stuff actually, but if they're able to protect it and show that like, Hey, we're investing in maybe one or two, or we're having a focus in one or two positive areas. But the rest of our business model is focused in this thing that you shouldn't look at and hoping that ignorance is bliss. So those are some concerns. And that concerns, it goes along with how everything's a bit hectic in the field, in the area. There's not even one or one or two like proper names for it. Like we intertwined responsible, ethical, sustainable (laughs) investing in this podcast itself. So that's true. I did do that a few times. Yeah, (laughs) I've done it myself. (laughs) No, that makes sense. So greenwashing, how can we discern whether our eyes are truly sustainable then? Great question. Extremely difficult to answer because... Mm -hmm. Especially for a retail investor, you focus a lot on the research that's already done. You don't have the time to do your own research on certain companies. So there is that one issue. And so if you just look at the daily news, you the only way you'll find out if 
their greenwashing is if there's breaking news on the company or the organization or like a resource gap for for regular people yeah definitely or you hope that your financial institution helps you but what if they get more returns get selling regular investments selling oil and trade stocks opposed to responsible investing and sustainable companies so there is that issue as well that's i mean that's such a big topic greenwashing really um maybe you could do like a definition of greenwashing briefly and then we could go into what is really the solution? How can we get you know away from greenwashing and truly give people what what they expect or what they desire, or what they should get in terms of responsible investment? And I say this because I recently heard that France now have like a fine in place for companies involved in greenwashing, and it could be as much as eighty percent of that public campaign. 80% the cost of the public campaign that they're doing around the so-called responsible investment vehicle. So maybe you could do a definition very quickly and then move into how we can, um, you know, help that, just solve that challenge of greenwashing. Uh, you could probably touch, touch on frameworks and, and standardization. I think that that's probably like the major, major thing that we don't have like a unified framework and standardization. Just discuss around that industry practice to make sure that our thoughts are aligned in terms of responsible investment and we're leading the people in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. So greenwashing basically is giving the impression that you're doing something good when in reality you're not. Some good examples of this could be like Earth Day and having these companies, having these advertisements on Earth Day saying that they're saving the planet or things of that nature. Or saying like you go on someone's website and you look at like their description saying like, hey, we're all for good labor. Ethical production. Ethical production. Exactly. But in reality, they could potentially be using Uyghur forced labor. So there is that issue with greenwashing. So it's basically all talk, no bite type situation. It's hard. And even for France, it's going to be hard to know who is greenwashing. or Because they can also use a bunch of different excuses saying, hey, like we want to transform transition from what we're currently doing and that's why we're having this front of being positive of being responsible so it's gonna be really hard to regulate greenwashing and that's why it's so common are there standards or like guidelines in terms of how you can market that or how you can really just like decide that this is a responsible investment are there standards for that are there guidelines in place yeah, so a company, if they're truly interested in responsible investing, they can create these disclosure statements on a, their entire process. And I, that's what I'm looking at currently. So I'm looking at impact investing and seeing their disclosure statements, seeing their plan from the beginning of their investments to the middle to the end, and seeing that whole, their whole entire plan to make sure that their investments are what they say they are and showing the public that it's true that like they really want these positive outcomes 
So that is one way of doing it. But it's easier said than done, especially for larger companies when they have different areas and like they don't even communicate with with each other, different um, departments. So it's easier for smaller companies. It is, but it's it's required to show society that you actually want to make a difference. I think your research is going to be so important because when I think of, you know, myself as a regular citizen, I'm thinking, it's just based off this conversation on greenwashing, how can I, as a retail investor, screen for sustainability? You know, how can I discern where my money is going to go and what is what the impact is really going to be? And I think that's where your work is filling in that gap of the lack of resources that we have. You mentioned that we can reach out to our banks, we can reach out to these types of institutions for more information. But again, you're speaking to an institution that can then again also greenwash you, right? And so that's where I feel like your research is filling in a huge gap in an area that you say and that we know is so so new in sustainability. And so I'm really excited for your outcomes. Um, and I think that actually transitions really nicely into your research question. Um, do you mind sort of giving an overview of your research question? And you even also touched on it a bit, but some of the challenges maybe that you think you're going to face. So my research question is whether a size of a financial institution and the region it's located in has an influence on how likely or the quality of their disclosure statement, if they're actually going to produce one. And like, if it's, Maybe it's a template that they use for everything, or if it's like they're actually saying their goals, how they're going to do it. So it's been really interesting and fascinating to see like these disclosure statements and seeing like these companies, like a lot of them actually really do care and they really want to put in the effort to see these outcomes. So that's really interesting. But there's also a good amount that signs sign on to organizations that say, hey, we're for these like responsible and ethical ways of production but yet they don't even create a disclosure statement they just sign on and that's another way of greenwashing so it's so tough I'm gonna, oh no go ahead sorry I cut you off that's for a second that's okay. <laughs> no that's i think your research is so interesting and i'm assuming you're gonna have to i mean we don't have to get into the nitty-gritty of it but have some sort of framework or some sort of structure of how to for you to screen what sustainability in these disclosure statements looks like because what we've talked about is what's the definition of ethical what's the definition of someone's values but now you're going in to to screen for sustainability in these disclosure statements so it's probably also a challenge in your end as well yeah it is and you can't do it perfectly because everyone has a different idea of what's sustainable, what's ethical, as mentioned earlier. So you can do a set way. So the way I'm doing is basically creating a dictionary of sustainable words, keywords that are often used in ESGs, documents, and comparing them, seeing how often these words come into play in these disclosure statements. And it's not a perfect way of doing it. But as I said earlier, there isn't one because everyone has their own ideas. Yeah. I, I think maybe maybe the biggest question here for, for this conversation as we start to probably bring, bring this episode to a close would be um, what, what you want people to, to maybe 
let me ask you, why, why do you care so much about this area of sustainability, Ron? Uh, that's probably going to give us an insight as to why you chose this area of research. Uh, what did you want our listeners, our audience, to take away from this conversation, from your research, your experience, and, you know, just being a day-to-day -day investor? I don't know if you have your mind blocked up in some form of responsible investment, as you know, but really, what, what do you want them to take away? What, what do you want them to start to do as a result of this knowledge that they've gotten from this conversation today? Yeah, so the reason... I went into this area of study is because of the influence that the financial sector has. It's massive. And if we don't focus on quality, sustainable, ethical forms of investing, then they're not going to be done. And like I said earlier as well, the public sector needs private sector helping to achieve the SDGs and make sure that the world becomes more sustainable. So that's why I came into it. And for the audience, if you're interested in investing or if you're interested in being sustainable at all, you don't have to jump completely in. You can take small steps. You can do, like I said, if you're interested in investing, you could do part a part of your portfolio in responsible investing. But if you're not comfortable going completely in, you don't have to. I'd much rather you try at 10% and continue to grow on it than jumping completely and be upset when you fail and you don't want to try again. It's tough because this is a situation where it needs to be fast, but also as an individual, you somewhat have a bit more time. You can take your time and especially with investing, you can slowly transition. It's okay. I love that. I think just the momentum, you know, to get us moving yeah. is the is a direction that is a good one to take, you know, and something that Toby and I talked about, and maybe we can just the last comment on my end is I, after today's conversation, it really solidified to me that impact investing is sort of a form of untapped sustainable action from a regular citizen point of view. You know, I think we've, we have all these mainstream ideas of sustainable action, like investing in that electric vehicle, Re switching into reusables, turning off the tap, all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to those untapped forms of sustainable action, the ones that are really making moves in the industry, I think about impact investing. And I think that that's an area where, like you put it so well, it's easy. It's easier than we think it is. It's scary, but it's easier than we think it is. And so that's why I'm so glad that we had this conversation because I wish that I had you and Toby to tell me this information years ago when I, when I opened a bank account, you know what I mean? Because there's one thing to have my money sitting in a checking account. There's another to start making moves in the world that reflect my values as someone in the sustainability management program. I think there's so much more we can do with our money. There's so much more we can do with our time and learning about impact investing is one step towards that starting to invest is that second step. So I'm so appreciative that you took your time today to speak with us and to share your insights and to share your research. This is such a cool conversation. Thank you so much, Patrick. Yeah, and thank you for having me on. And while I do have some ideas, they're going to continue to grow. I'm sure that some of the things I said might others might not agree with, but I'm still growing in this area as well. We're all learning. I think that's the yeah. whole, that's the beauty of being a student. We're both, we're all students. We're all teachers. That's the coolest. That's the, 
is like. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Maybe that, the last thing for me would is just going to leverage on what Patrick already said, that if you care enough to talk about those problems uh, relating to sustainability, you have to be able to put your money where your words are, or let me say literally where your mouth is. <laughs> really. So um, if, you, if you care enough to talk about it, please put your money in. Let us know that you, you're pushing some resources. Um, baby steps, better than no step every day. Um, you know, it might be uh, just a little today. Just ensure that you're taking those steps gradually and growing into it. Businesses do not become sustainable in, in a single day. Uh, they will tell you, oh, we're working on this part of our business. We're working to calculate our uh, green gas, uh, greenhouse gas emissions go three or something. They, they say all of those things. So let's take a cue from that and let's just continue to take baby steps and, you know, baby step until we're well grounded and all our efforts can come together and become, you know, something really big. So thank you very much, Patrick, for joining us on this conversation. I feel that it's a good point for us to stop. Yeah, Shinari? So before I close today's episode, Patrick, do you have any resources that people can go to or read into, or maybe even a search term to just sort of begin that search into impact investing? If you're really interested, Investopedia is a great resource not just with regular investing, but with uh, responsible investing, ethical investing. Like they are a fantastic resource and they're able to explain everything in very simple terms. So I highly recommend visiting their website. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I feel like just as a last note, where can we send people if they're interested? That's where I'll go. (laughs) So... Just to close today's episode, thank you so much, Patrick. Thank you so much, Toby. I think we always get together and have such amazing conversations. And I'm so excited for where this knowledge is going to go and where your research is going to go. So please keep us posted because knowledge, knowledge is coming our way very soon. 2022, I'm waiting for Patrick's thesis dissertation. (laughs) Yes, I'll definitely keep you up to date. Awesome. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening. Please check us out on our social media platforms at EcoU Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter, where we post about upcoming episodes and some behind the scenes action of this Microsoft Teams call that we're currently on. From Toby, from Patrick, and myself, Shanali, it's a bye for now.